0: hi everyone i'm laura um and it's wonderful you um are fortunate this is the last in our sort of summer series we were at the pick a mix station of talking about things that we're passionate about um and so tonight yeah talking a little bit about holiness spending time in god's presence and what that means for us um but i was inspired by my own sort of new academic year commitment i'm not at university anymore i'm at the university of life um but as part of that, as my, new, my personal academic year commitment, I've decided to read a bit more, kind of outside. I read the Bible, but I'm going to read some other stuff. I'm not just going to watch Netflix. And so on Monday night, as part of my new commitment, I went to my bookshelf to see, to get some inspiration. What shall, I, what shall I read? What's on the pile? And I came across Humankind, A Hopeful History. It was a gift for me. Someone very kindly bought it for me. They didn't bother taking off the sticker, buy one, get one half price. <laughs> No expense spared. Um, they bought this for my ordination, and um, the book. The gist of this book, well, 20 pages in, is that humanity is not as bad as it is painted often to be. Particularly in the news, um, we are sort of biased towards, you know, showing the worst parts of humanity. But actually, we see that in a crisis, we're kinder um, than we think we are. And frankly, I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of encouragement about that in this week, particularly just reading the news, or I let's not even name it. Um, but I just need a little bit of encouragement that humankind is not as bad as we always make it out to be. But no matter how kind or maybe not so bad we might be, no one can take the place and the perfection and the holiness of God. And so I'm going to spend this evening looking at another book. We're not going to read the whole thing, um, but it's a book that tells us about the character of God, tells us the story of the relationship between Him and humanity, and in particular, I want to focus on one of God's characteristics that comes through, and that is His something that makes God unique, distinct, something that sets Him apart from humanity or makes Him different from us, and that is His holiness it could be a bit of a scary topic, maybe a bit frightening. Um, It's quite an intimidating thing to unpack. But what I hope that over this next 15, 20 minutes or so is that I want us to see how God's holiness, how his uniqueness and how set apart he is, is good news for us. How it's good news that he is God, we are not And so we're going to start by doing a bit of an overview. We're going to look at a few, just pick up a few stories or passages from the Old Testament um, and then look at the person of Jesus, the personification of God's holiness. And then we're going to wrap it all up at the end by looking at what that might mean for us as we seek to follow him, to follow this incredible God. So let's start. We're just going to whiz through the beginning of the Bible. We're going to start with God the Creator. God is the only being that is powerful enough to create everything that came into being. He is so, so powerful. And he's unique. He's the only person that's able to do that. And that's really what makes him so holy. Let's use the sun maybe as a metaphor to unpack and explain that. Within our universe, the sun is unique. It's a source of life and a source of power. Without the sun, life on earth would not exist. We would not exist. And to continue with the metaphor of the sun, the closer that you get to the sun, the more intense it is. It's kind of dangerous, but it's also life-giving and powerful. And there's a bit of a paradox there. The same is true of God's holiness, as the closer and the closer that we get towards it, the more powerful it is. It's kind of dangerous, but it's also amazing. And in the presence of such power and such kind of it's pure, it's, it's unblemished. In the presence of that, our more of our stuff that is unholy, unclean, uh, shows up. We see this really, quite strikingly in the story of Moses. We're not going to deep dive into that now, but if you want to read it, it's in Exodus three. And God appears to Moses as a burning bush, and he says, Moses, take off your sandals. You've got grubby feet, grubby sandals, but the place that you're standing is holy ground. You need to recognize that. God warns him, don't come any closer. I'm holy, and you need to stay, stay away almost to, to stay safe. In the presence of such holiness and such purity, Moses has to shield his face from God's presence. Then there's a time when God's presence is on the move with the Israelite people. But then it gets a more permanent residing place in the temple. They build a temple so that God's presence can be in a particular place. And they call it the holy of holies or the most holy place. It's like a real hot spot, a physical place of God's presence on earth. In order for people to get close to that, that was really a powerful place. And you had to, if you were going to even go close to that, you had to make yourself pure. There are all kinds of rules that you can read, um, rituals and sacrifices. You have to put in your own personal effort to, um, to make yourself pure in order to come into God's holy presence. So if you want, again, another little homework assignment, Leviticus, full of that kind of thing, the Bible packed with kind of all this stuff about how to make yourself pure to come close to God. We then get to a really interesting insight into God's holiness in some of the time of the prophets and what it meant to be in the presence of God. So we are going to read from Isaiah 6. Charlotte's going to come forward and read Isaiah 6 verses 1 to 8 for us where we're going to hear about a vision that this prophet Isaiah has.
1: Okay, so Isaiah 6. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it. Um, so, verse 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. Uh, with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Here am I. Send me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Charlotte.
0: So people previously weren't really able to really get close to God's presence. There was all that um purifying and stuff that they had to do and then somehow isaiah in this vision is in the presence of god it's terrifying it's surprising it's overwhelming the lord is so massive and mighty that it's really just the hem of his robe that fills the temple we can see that was right at the beginning of that passage we've got heavenly creatures flying around covering praising him saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty they're repeating three times that word holy. That's what they see before them. There's smoke and the building is shaking with the sheer power and holiness of the Lord. It's pretty epic, I would say. I think probably, I don't know about you, but I'd be a bit frightened if I was in that situation. But then the most extraordinary thing happens. Isaiah, who is in this moment, just in awe of this power of God, becomes really aware of his own uncleanness. He says, woe is me of unclean lips. In comparison to the presence that he's in, he realizes how unclean he is. But then this heavenly creature takes this hot coal from the altar. They fly it down and then it touches his lips. And he's told that his guilt is taken away, his sin is atoned for. Basically, all the bad choices that he's made, all the, th- the impure thoughts that he's had, the choices that he's made, consciously or unconsciously, in his actions, in his past and his present and his past, have been burnt away. Rather than him being bringing his impurity and making the coal impure, instead, that coal that has come from a place of sacrifice has touched him and made him pure. Rather than being destroyed um, and infecting God's presence, instead he's been transformed by it. I found that intriguing. Then we come to another prophet. We come to Ezekiel. He's a prophet. He also has a vision. In chapter 47, his vision also involves the temple. Um, But in this one, he sees water flowing from the temple Water becomes a stream and it turns into a river through the desert. And as this water is flowing, it's bringing life where there was none. There are trees and plants growing up. Um, It's flowing into the Dead Sea where nothing could exist. And now there is being life that was being brought. So let's notice the direction of travel again. Previously, people were making themselves, having to make themselves pure to go into God's presence, but now it seems to be flipping around. It's almost like God's story is saying that his presence is flowing from the temple and coming out and making things pure and bringing things into life. That seems pretty cool. That feels significant to me. I don't know about you. Um, so let's just take a brief moment to pause here and think about maybe what this might mean for us. Because the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that former way is something that I encounter all the time and kind of in my work i work here for the church i do lots of pastoral ministry um i encounter that in people all the time and i notice in that in myself as well i meet people who are reluctant to come to church because they don't feel worthy there's something they're ashamed of and they say i just need some time to sort myself out and then i'll come but the wonderful news about god's character is that when we come into his presence Yes, we become aware of the stuff that is not so holy about us. But also he comes to cleanse us so that we can remain in his presence. Maybe I wondered if we could liken it to maybe a shower, as in like a bath shower. Um, say you go for a long walk on the Alban way one day. Maybe a group of you go for a long walk in the sunshine and it's hot and you come back and you're a bit sweaty and a bit grubby. You don't not go in the shower because you don't want to make the shower dirty. The point of the shower is to make you clean. So you get into the shower, you make yourself clean again. And I think the same is true with spending time in God's presence. We spend time with him. He will wash us clean of those impurities. But wait, there's more. We've only got to the middle of the book. These visions and these moments that these prophets had were moments pointing forward to a time where God would send his holiness and bring his holiness in another way, that it would be embodied. And that was in the person of Jesus. Jesus embodied God's holiness. When when Jesus touched people that were classed as impure, it's like he transferred his purity and his holiness to them rather than the other way around. I'm sure you can all remember COVID. It was only in recent memory as it was ripping its way through the population. Assuming you did catch it, maybe you're one of the lucky few that's never got it, but most people I know have had it. Assuming you caught it at some point, I'm sure you wondered who you got it from who breathed near you or whatever and gave it to you. Um, And then so the disease transferred to you and then possibly you breathed around other people and perhaps you passed it on as well. The disease spread and spread. In the days of test and trace, if you'd even been near someone, you had to isolate, didn't you, for fear of infecting other people with this disease? Not so with Jesus. Jesus. He was so holy that rather than being affected by anything that anyone brought to him or touched him with, instead he conferred his purity instead. People were captivated by that. It brought about healing. It brought about forgiveness of sins. It brought about all sorts of wholesomeness. It's like Jesus became that holy coal from Isaiah's vision, that when he came and touched people, he brought healing and he brought wholeness. But he didn't just keep that to himself. He said that him and his followers were now going to become God's temple. Through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world. We're going to quickly read John seven thirty-seven to 39. Um, it was on a festival. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. We do live in a time where Jesus has been glorified. By that they meant his death and then his resurrection. And so we, like those early believers, can be filled with his Spirit it's a really it's an interesting picture this picture of the river and this living water coming out but the holy spirit is the presence of god that river of living water that flowed from the temple in ezekiel's vision to bring god's holiness and purity into the world jesus was the embodiment of that and we can have that and live that as well jesus was able to do that because his being glorified was crucial that was his glorification was his death on the cross, his sacrificial death that paid the price for sin once and for all. And so through his cleansing act, we can be washed clean. Hebrews 10.10 says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. We don't have to pa- time to unpack everything that chap- Hebrews chapter 10 says, but if you want your third piece of homework, go and read Hebrews chapter 10, especially if you want to press more into this and understand more about what this means. So I guess the question is, so what? What does that mean for us? How might that make our lives look any different? What does it mean for us today? I want to look at three things briefly before we wrap up. And we're going to read one more piece of scripture to do that. We're going to read Hebrews 10, verse 19. let us draw near to God. I love that. Spend time in his presence and draw near to him. What a glorious invitation. If you spent any time at 5 p.m. or if you're new, what we hope to communicate is that you'll know we believe that God desires relationship with us and that rather than putting lots of hurdles in, he invites us to draw close to him. We can do that because of the sacrificial death of Jesus, which cleanses us from our sin. More concretely, what does drawing near, what does that look like? Just a few suggestions. Actively seek to spend time in his presence. Maybe that for you is through reading God's word, God's primary primary revelation of himself to us. Spend time meditating on those passages, on God's holiness of who he is. Spend time in worship. Um, part of that is our time. We sp- that's why we spend time on that together at 5 p.m. It's why we make the space. You'll notice even tonight we made space just to spend more time lingering in God's presence rather than focus in on that. The temptation, I mean, we've got to, it's, it's part of that, It's just being intentional and focusing in on that, not just daydreaming about what we're going to have for dinner. I know <laughs> occasionally I've been guilty of that at 5 p.m., um, but it's about saying, God, I want to spend time with you, and I want to press into your presence. Um, yeah. Anyway, the second thing is to be prepared to be changed when we spend time in His presence. Be prepared to be transformed. There's nothing quite like spending time in the presence of someone who is a truly good person to make us recognise that we are maybe some of the parts of ourselves we don't love so much. I'm going to give you a real-life example of this. I have a wonderful, lovely friend. Let's call her Hannah. That's not her actual name. She's very nice. She's a primary school teacher. She's kind and giving to other people. Um, but I was chatting about my friend Hannah with someone else recently, and she knows Hannah, and she also knows Kaylee. Let's call her Kayleigh. Um, and she said, in comparison to Kaylee. Hannah looks like a complete bitch um, because this other person is so, so nice. Um, And it's interesting, isn't it, when it's all relative. When we spend time in God's presence, we notice and we realize perhaps there's parts of ourselves that we don't love. But actually, let's be prepared to be transformed by that. Let's notice that. Let's confess that to the Lord. um, And let's let him change us. And I would want to say at this point that God's love, spending time with God's presence, it shouldn't be an accusatory thing. It actually shouldn't make us come out feeling like, oh, I'm just a terrible person at all. Romans 2, 4 reminds us that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. It's his love and his power and his passion for us that invites us to spend time with him, to be cleansed, and then to enjoy time with him like the hot coal in Isaiah's vision, like Jesus' outstretched hand that we see, we can receive his cleansing and his healing because of his holiness and be transformed by his presence. And so then finally, what might this mean? Pray to be filled with his Holy Spirit. When we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, that holiness, we ourselves become like little living temples of God's presence here on the earth. The implications for that are massive. They're huge. If you are a student at the university, that means if you've asked me be prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you are taking God's holy presence into the forum, into whatever you call the library, which is not called the library. The LRC, exactly. You're taking God's presence into the LRC. You're taking it into the sports village and your lecture theatres. What a privilege and what an opportunity. If you're employed, you're taking God's holy presence into your place of work, into the hospitals and the schools um, and the law firms and wherever else. It means in your family, among your flatmates, those that you greet in the supermarket, you are a living temple of God's holy presence. In response to being cleansed in God's presence, Isaiah's response was, here I am, send me. He had a a response and a reaction. Maybe that is something you want to make a prayer for yourself tonight, to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, here I am, send me. So God's holy presence, it's powerful, it's life-giving, and it's life-changing. It's life-changing because the act of Jesus' death and then resurrection means we can come into God's holy presence, we can receive his cleansing and forgiveness, and we can be empowered to be sent out and live and live his holy presence wherever we are. So there's a couple of things I'd like to pray for this evening. The first is to pray for anyone who would like to encounter more of God, to know that cleansing power, and to be reminded of his grace. Maybe you've been holding back from going deeper in your relationship with God because you're worried about what that might expose. And if that's the case, we'd love to pray that it is God's kindness that leads you deeper with him. The second thing we'd love to, I'd love to pray for is to pray for anyone who would like to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit, especially to be a witness and representation of God's holy presence in whatever context you find that in, whether that is uni or work or with your family. Maybe you want that to be your prayer. Here I am, send me. So we're going to pray now if that's all right. If, if it's comfortable for you, maybe you want to close your eyes. Um, maybe you want to open your hands. It's just a gesture of receiving. You, that's optional. You don't have to do that. But I'm going to pray now. Um, and let's just see whatever else the Lord wants to do. So we pray, come Holy Spirit now. God, we thank you for your presence here with us this evening. And so for anyone here who would like to encounter more of God, to know that cleansing power, um, to be reminded of his grace, God, I pray now that you would reveal yourself. Pray that you would give us courage to go deeper with you tonight and for anyone who wants to be filled or refilled by the holy spirit god just pray that you would come now come and fill my brothers and sisters here if you sense that burning within you that prayer of here I am send me maybe you want to make that your own prayer to the Lord right now you Holy Spirit thank you for your presence here with us God, we thank you that it's your kindness that leads to this. It's because you love us. Pray now that we'd know your deep, deep, deep love for every person in this room right now.